You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Finally, the Kings are back home. It's been 17 days since we've seen Kings basketball inside the Golden One Center. Much too long, and they have two pretty crucial games coming up here. This one tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks is kind of the appetizer. The main entree is Friday's meeting with the Los Angeles Clippers, the final meeting between these two teams. And of course, we know that the Kings are trying to catch the Clippers and steal that seat away from them to make the playoffs for the first time in 12 plus years. A lot to pay attention to and a lot to talk about here on the Locked On Kings podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Locked On Kings, your daily hub for Sacramento Kings coverage and conversation each and every single weekday. Uh, If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with all the local and national experts, this is the place for you. I have the privilege of being your host. My name is Matt George, a very nasally Matt George, and I apologize. Still very congested, getting over this cold that's knocked me on my butt for the past couple of weeks, but powering through it because I'm a hero. No, I'm not. I'm just, I talk for a living. Look at me. Uh, But I'm trying to work my way through, and I appreciate all of you that have been putting up with the nasaliness. Hopefully, it'll be gone by the end of this week, if not by next week. But that's not going to stop me from being out at the Golden One Center tonight to watch the Kings and the Bucks go to war. Giannis Antetokounmpo rested in the Bucks last game against the Chicago Bulls. Fully expect him to play and start tonight against the Kings. And we know how dominant he's been against the Kings in the past. Last time the Bucks were here in Sacramento was last season. And the Bucks absolutely blew the Kings out of the water. Although, of course, this is a very different Kings team to back then. Kings trying to bounce back after a very difficult, tough, disappointing loss uh, to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and hopefully uh, the Kings are able to figure it out. I'm from Sports 1140 KHDK, by the way. That's the flagship radio station of the Kings in Sacramento. I work there as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist and reporter. Today, I'm speaking with a co-worker and a friend of mine, Jay Marshall. You can hear him on the drive Monday through Friday. Uh, That's 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on KHDK, a.m. 1140 if you're local. You can also download the KHDK app and listen there or listen on KHDK.com. He is a big Kings fan like myself, has followed and covered the Kings for quite a while, and he makes his Locked on Kings podcast debut here in just a minute. It is going to dominate the podcast, so enjoy our conversation. I think you'll really like Jay and want to give him a follow and, and chat with him and go back and forth with him on social media like you do with me, and you can get involved at any time with me on this show at MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter or email me MGeorgeAtSackLocalMedia.com. Enjoy my conversation with Jay Marshall. We talked about everything from the disappointing Minnesota loss to rotations, if Marvin Bagley should start or come off the bench, also the meeting with the Milwaukee Bucks, the game on Friday against the Los Angeles Clippers. We cover a lot of stuff, so enjoy it over the next 20 minutes here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Happy to be joined for the first time ever by Jay Marshall, my fellow KHDKer here on the Locked On Kings podcast. Jay, I, I'm just going to ask you right out of the gate, where are you at in terms of the the transition of expectations this season? We've, we've talked a lot about at the beginning of the season, it was, you know, we just want the Kings to be con- uh, competitive on a nightly basis. They've done that. And now it's transitioned into playoff talk. And the players have put that on themselves. The coaching staff has put them on the, or put that on themselves. And now the fans are getting excited and starting to hold uh, the Kings to that standard of competing for an eighth seed. So where are you at looking at this team when it comes to the playoffs? If they do not make it, are you left frustrated, angry, or disappointed? Or is this just cherry on top for you? 
Um, so for me, I look at it from multiple perspectives. Let me start in the fan perspective of, I'll just go back to the Golden State game, and I said this after that game. You should be upset that they lost the game. Because I got on Twitter and I saw a lot of people basically saying, like, you know what? It's fine. It's the Warriors. We're not supposed to be here. This season's already a success, yada, yada, yada. While I'll agree, like, no matter what, the season's a success. No matter what, you cannot argue that. However, within the season, expectations have changed. We have seen De'Aaron Fox play at a level nobody thought he was going to play at this year. Buddy Heald, nobody thought was going to be playing at this level. I don't think anybody that watched Marvin Bagley in Summer League thought in February that he'd be putting up the production he has been putting up. So to answer your questions, yes, the expectations have changed. Yes, the playoffs are no longer a cherry on top. The playoffs are an expectation. Again, I want to point out, it's not a failure if you don't make the playoffs, but it is disappointment now if you don't make the playoffs. And personally, I'd be extremely disappointed if this team doesn't make the playoffs, especially since at this point, I think they have a better team than the Clippers. You can argue they're a better team than the Spurs. I think they're a much better team than the Lakers right now. The Lakers just, they look like they've rolled over and died. In terms of disappointment level, though, where are you at? Is it a is it a disappointment of man? There was a real opportunity. It's difficult to get in that spot. And we have the the opportunity to break a playoff drought that's over twelve plus seasons. Or is it more disappointment for the future going forward? Man, these young players missed out on some potentially really good playoff experience, and maybe the playoffs helps them in free agency attract a name or two to get them to that next level. I'm not sure if them making the eight seed versus just missing out is going to help them and attract free agents. I, I don't really buy that. Um, as far as the players go, yes, this would definitely, like, it's a big deal for them to get that playoff experience, to get that national exposure, especially because more than likely they'd be an eight seed playing the world champions. Again, that's, you can't buy that. That is great exposure, great experience. However, I think the bigger disappointment lies in what I was kind of just saying. This roster now, stop looking at it, what it looked like at the preseason. Look at it from what it looks like on February 27th. This is a top eight seed in the West. And there's no guarantee. Like, I think they'll definitely be in contention for a playoff seed no matter what next year. But the Western Conference is so difficult. And you look ahead to the summer, there's a really good chance the Clippers might get a huge splash name that kind of, I don't want to say guarantees them a playoff spot next year, but definitely makes them bigger contenders than they are now. So you can't say, oh, well, you know, missed out on the playoffs, but it's guaranteed next year because it's not. It's just simply I look at it as this roster is a top eight roster in the Western Conference on February 27th. And for me, it is a disappointment if that team just misses the playoffs. So I'll share with you one of my major concerns when looking at this team. Uh, and they have the fifth easiest, and this is an actual metric, the fifth easiest strength of schedule with the remainder of the league. And they did a really good job with how difficult their schedule was at the beginning of the season. Now, when you're a bad team in the NBA or considered to be a bad team like the Kings were uh, on opening day, every schedule is difficult. Right. Every schedule does not look good. And there are very few games in your favor. Uh, but based off of the winning percentages of their opponents for the remainder of the season, Kings have uh, a pretty favorable schedule. They still have a couple meetings with the the New York Knicks. They haven't played the Knicks yet. We know the Knicks are one of the worst teams in basketball. They still have a home matchup against the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers coming up. So there's, there's options. There's opportunity uh, to get some good wins. But I'm also not putting too many eggs in that basket, Jay, because they do still have a lot of meetings with very talented teams that are either already in the playoff spot that are trying to keep the Kings down or are 
are right behind the Kings trying to pull them uh, pull them away and steal the spot from them. And I'm looking at this number in front of me, 17-23. and 23. That's the Kings' record against the Western Conference this season. They've done a good job getting the job done against the East, which all good teams in the West need to do, but there's still a lot of walls they need to punch through. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I don't buy in necessarily the whole strength of schedule thing. Uh, perfect point was the other night losing to the Timberwolves. That is a game they should have won. Absolutely. And if you look at the strength of schedule, that's an easy victory compared to the teams they play. And I think not just are they, you said 17-23 in the West. I believe with teams over 500, are they 9-21? and Something along those lines. Yeah, you got to start beating those good teams. Like tonight, for instance, you got to beat Milwaukee. I'm not saying they're going to. It's definitely a Herculean task. We're talking about the best team in the Eastern Conference. But you got to start winning some of these good games against really good teams. That's why it hurts when you lose that Denver game the way you lost it. That's why it hurts when you lose that Golden State Warriors game the way you lost it. you got to start getting some victories against some of those really good teams, just as you alluded to. If I'm looking at also, for the remainder of this season, how many home games they have. And one of the biggest areas uh, of... of improvement that we've seen from this team is how long has it been, Jay, since the Kings have had a a over 500 record in their own building? They've done a great job taking care uh, of their home floor. And I'm looking at, even though they're taking on teams, a team like Milwaukee tonight, I'll be flat out with you. I think the Kings are going to lose tonight. And I, honestly, I think they're going to lose by double digits. Now, I'm normally an optimist and, and a positive. I'm kind of shocked by this revelation right, right now. Right. Uh, the the Bucks are a really, really good team. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, I don't see anybody on the Kings roster, let alone anybody in the NBA, that can stop Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he has a field night tonight. But that being said, teams like Milwaukee, all the way to the New York Knicks coming into your building, these are games you definitely have to get protecting your home floor is essential if you want a chance at this eighth seed absolutely and again like this is a game i'm not saying this is a must-win game because it's against the bucks but this is a game at home they have a really good shot to win and you bring up Giannis. i, I kind of agree with you i think Giannis is going to have a big game tonight if you're dave yeager what do you think is your best option defensively on Giannis? I don't know if the Kings have one. I'm putting Harrison Barnes on them and hoping for the best, trying to rotate, maybe have Marvin Bagley or Willie Cauley-Stein or somebody who's down low patrolling the paint. I'm glad you mentioned Willie because to me, physically, he is the answer. Not a good one, but if you're Dave Yeager and you're searching down the line, who can I put on Giannis that might actually be able to compete with him on an athletic level? If you can get Willie tonight engaged on the defensive end like we've seen him before, I'm not saying he stops Giannis because nobody stops Giannis, but if you can make life a little more difficult on Giannis, I think there is a chance they can pull this game out tonight. I, I appreciate your optimism. I mean, you're talking to one of the biggest optimists on the planet. I personally don't see it. I think this is a bad matchup for the Kings. I'm also coming off of the low as of our many fans coming off of the the low of the the loss in Minnesota. I 100% agree with you. That is a game they absolutely should have won. And one of the biggest controversies in that game was head coach Dave Yeager's decision to not play Buddy Heald down the stretch. Now, I made my opinions on this known on yesterday's podcast, so we don't have to reiterate them. And I know we've had conversations off air about it, Jay. Uh, but just so those may, who may have missed it understood very briefly, I, I've i been one of the biggest supporters of Dave Yeager in his entire tenure here as a Sacramento Kings head coach. I trust him completely uh, with his coaching decisions. That being said, I thought it was a tremendous mistake not to have Buddy healed on the floor. I thought it sent the, bad, uh, the wrong message to Buddy. I think it sends the wrong message to the fans, especially with you being in a playoff race. 
And uh, in my opinion, Buddy Heald is the best scorer and the best player on this Kings team right now. I think De'Aaron Fox still has to earn that right to call himself the best player uh, on this team. Buddy Heald needs to be on the floor in that spot. Yeah, when you're close and you're making a comeback, like it's great. Guys like Corey Brewer, who came off the bench in the fourth quarter, did an excellent job getting you back in the game, provided the spark that you needed. But when there's, you know, six, seven minutes left in a basketball game you're making a playoff run as you said you put your five best players back on the floor and you roll with that you roll the dice even if buddy healed who did not have a good game but he also didn't have a good game against the warriors and you put him on the full floor excuse me late in the game he hit you two clutch three pointers to get you right back in it and that's what i mean and to your point buddy healed is the best offensive player on the kings he can get hot at a moment's notice and when you're close you need you have to almost insert him in the game feeling and knowing that he's going to get you right back in there or he's at least going to keep you close. Marvin Bagley got the start against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which made so many fans happy. It was good to see him in the starting lineup. We know he's putting up numbers and performing to where he's capable of being a starter. I mean, based off uh, the reason why Marvin Bagley hasn't been a starter for so long and for the majority of the season for the most part, has to do with matchups and rotations and the players playing alongside him. But what we saw with him starting, he put up numbers and he had enough success. He was really only the, the one bright spot for the Kings in that Minnesota game. But the bench production dropped off significantly, and he's been coming in and absolutely feasting uh, against team second units over the last month or so. My question to you is, would you want to see Bagley back in the starting lineup again tonight against Milwaukee, or would you rather see the the Kings revert back to bringing him off the bench because they know how productive he can be in that role? I would like to see him back off the bench, and that's not to say he doesn't deserve to start because he absolutely does. However... Sometimes you got to look at matchups. Sometimes you got to look how different lineups play out with one another. The thing is, if you're going to insert him in the starting lineup today, um, I'm imagining it would be him and Willie on the front line. You're, I don't know if you stick Marvin Bagley on Giannis at this point, this early in his career. I don't know if that's a good idea, which means you'd have to put Marvin on Brooke Lopez, which is pulling Marvin Bagley away from the basket and you're losing maybe your best rebounder in that starting lineup being pulled away from the basket. So that's one scenario. Number two, to your point, I liked him coming off the bench. I liked the chemistry that him and Harry Giles were developing coming off the bench together. They provided a great spark between those two, Bogdan and Yogi. That bench had so much firepower. Yeah. And that bench really kept them in games to the point where I thought the bench was outplaying the starters in a lot of games. And... I'm just not one to mess with chemistry. Again, not that Marvin doesn't deserve the start. I just love that chemistry that that bench unit had, and I thought it was a lot. It was a big key in a lot of their wins in January. I'd be interesting to see if that's the popular opinion or not. And if you want to uh, have any feedback at any time, please reach out to me on Twitter at MattGeorgeKHDK or email me mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com because I felt like it was the unpopular opinion, but I completely agree with you. I want to see the Kings go back to bringing Marvin Bagley off the bench. I think he's shown success with that second unit, and you need to have consistent scoring from start to finish when you're a team like the Kings that doesn't have a really a go-to guy that'll get you 35 a night. Buddy Heald is capable of that, but that's he's not your star. He's not going to carry you over that. You need 48 minutes of scoring and pressure, and I thought Marvin Bagley provided that off the bench. And even though he was not starting, he was still playing 35-plus minutes a night. He was still playing starter minutes, and he was on the floor in crunch time, which is ultimately what matters but I do understand the argument Jay and the frustration of why are we holding out our future the clear starter and someone that's putting up starter numbers right now 
because he doesn't fit well alongside a center that's inconsistent in Willie Cauley-Stein, who's on a contract year, who's not, who's clearly not part of the long-term future. When does that really come into question? Do the Kings have the remainder of this season and maybe even the playoffs to continue bringing Bagley off the bench before they have to start him because he is their future? Or is that is that clock winding down? I don't really like, I don't buy that narrative and let me tell you why. If the Kings were not in a playoff push, I would be all for, hey, Marvin Bagley should be starting, getting 35 minutes a night. Let's get this guy as many minutes as we can. Hey, if Willie doesn't play tonight, oh, well, Willie's not in the future plans. But they're in a playoff race. And as much as Kings fans love to pile on Willie Cauley-Stein, and a lot of that is deserved, Willie Cauley-Stein is still one of your best 10 players on the team. That's true. And again, so I'll go back to the whole thing of chemistry. I don't see a scenario. It's If you're making that argument, well, we shouldn't start Willie. We should start Marvin Bagley. He's the future. Well, then should you play Willie at all? Because you're still going to play the guy. Yeah. Does it matter who starts? Like you said, it matters who's on the floor at the end of the game. Your five best players finish the game. And if Marvin Bagley's getting 34 minutes a night and finishing the game, I am okay with that. I have zero problem with him starting versus Willie starting, it doesn't matter at that point. And let me cut in really quick and ask you, who are those five to you? My five best players for the Kings right now would be De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald. Even though he struggled, I would say Bogdan Bogdanovich, Harrison Barnes, and Marvin Bagley are quote-unquote death lineup, so to speak. Sure, and I agree with you. Uh, Those would be my five as well, however— Bogdan Bogdanovich has been struggling massively this season. To me, a lot of people would say Willie Cauley-Stein is their biggest disappointment because he's on a contract year. We know the financial narrative that he put on himself. Uh, His skill set suggests he should be a good rim protector and suggests he should be a good rebounder, but that's not who he is. That hasn't been his game, and I think that's pretty clear. Uh, Where that may disappoint fans, I understand that. I think the Kings, Dave Yeager, and Vlade know what, uh, what Willie is and have accepted him as that. Fans haven't come around quite as well. I've accepted him for what he is, even though he frustrates me and everybody uh, at times, I'm sure. Uh, But Bogey, to me, has been the biggest disappointment this year because I expected him to adapt more of a scoring role with De'Aaron Fox taking over the playmaking. Uh, I like Bogey leading the second unit. I'm glad they've moved him more to there and had Buddy Heald allow him to blossom at that starting two spot. But Bogey's been shooting less than 40%, really just over 30% for three-point range for the, uh, for the majority of this season, which is a pretty significant step backwards uh, from where he was last year. How crucial is it for the Kings to get him going if they want a chance at the playoffs? I think it's extremely crucial. I think that might be the most crucial narrative going forward is if this team is going to be a playoff team, they need good Bogdan Bogdanovich. They need the Bogdan Bogdanovich that started the two games against the Warriors in Minnesota. No, the Warriors, who'd they play before the Warriors? Uh, Just recently? Recently, yeah. He started two games. So why am I blanking on this? He started the Warriors game. Well, he, no, he started and the Thunder game. Yeah, those, the Thunder that's game what after. I'm looking for. Yes. Sorry. He had good numbers in those games. He combined to shoot like nine of 20 from the field. He got, a, I think, a pair of steals in each game. He was just very effective. Yeah. And I agree with you, especially leading the second unit. He needs to be more in scoring mode. And I think this is kind of like. It's a catch-22 with Bogey because he is such a team-oriented guy, and he's always looking to get his teammates involved. And I think sometimes to a detriment, he's not looking for his shot enough. And then 
in the process of trying to get his teammates involved, the shot clock gets down, and he winds up having to take a bad shot because he wasn't able to find or make a play for a teammate. And I think if Bogey gets back more into what he was doing last year, again, in that score-first mentality, I think that would really help him going forward. How concerned are you with Harrison Barnes' struggles shooting so far? Defensively, I think he's been great, but offensively, there's been a letdown since he's come here. True, and he's only been here for, what, five games, give or take? Harrison Barnes' shot's eventually going to fall. I'm not worried about it at all. I've been really happy with the defense because that's something we've been yearning for from that three position for, I I couldn't even tell you how long right now. So we got the, the defensive part from that three spot that we want. Now we need him to kind of fit that 3 and D role. Harrison Barnes is a really good three-point shooter. I don't envision a scenario where we're talking about this at the end of the season that his three-point shot didn't start falling. Regardless of what happens tonight, win or lose to the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously it's important, but this game on Friday against the Los Angeles Clippers in Sacramento is huge. Obviously the Clippers are ahead of the Kings in the standing. The Kings are trying to steal a spot from either the Clippers or the Spurs or both even if they can work their way up to the uh, the the seventh seed. But the Kings have had a lot of struggles against the Clippers so far this season. They're 0-3 against LA, but that's also before the Tobias Harris trade that went down. And, and this team is still competitive afterwards, which we expected them to be. Uh, but who knows if the, the matchup was. I mean, Montrez Harrell is still there, so it could still be a, a tough game for the Kings. In your opinion, is this the biggest game? This Friday, Kings-Clippers in the Golden 1 Center. Is this the biggest game that the Kings have played since the playoffs? 100%. I'm going to even go as far as to say this. If they do not win the game against the Clippers, they do not make the playoffs, especially if they lose to Milwaukee tonight. If you beat Milwaukee tonight and still lose to the Clippers, I still say you got a chance. But if you lose to Milwaukee tonight, like most people expect them to do, if you can't beat the Clippers and get that game back from them, I think it's going to be an extremely uphill battle to try to get in the playoffs moving forward. So to answer your question, coming back around again, absolutely, this is – This is the most important Kings game since 2006. You do have one more meeting with the San Antonio Spurs, which is in San Antonio on Sunday, March 31st. Preferably, you would not like it to come to that deep in the season. You'd like to already be in the inside, pushing everybody back at that point. We know it's not going to be an easy road at all, Jay, uh, but your thoughts overall, everything being said and done, we know you would be disappointed if the Kings don't make it, but your prediction here today, are the Kings making the playoffs, and in what seed are they making it? The Kings are making the playoffs in the eighth seed. Okay. And the Clippers will be the seventh seed. I have the Spurs and Lakers not going it. Oh, this, you're, you're, you're not trusting Greg Pop. How many times do we pick against the San Antonio Spurs and they surprise us? I agree with you. I don't think that team is as good as certainly they've been in years past, but I tr- still trust them more than Doc Rivers' Clippers. I don't know. I, I love Doc Rivers as a coach. I, I think he was a terrible executive. But Doc Rivers coaching really good players – I trust that more, and this is nothing to do with Greg Popovich. I just don't think the Spurs have a very good team. I think once they lost DeJounte Murray and Derek White and pretty much had to, you know, make a makeshift point guard in Bryn Forbes, combined with the fact that they're kind of an old-school team that likes to shoot a lot of mid-range shots in a day where it's it's three-point city, I just find that hard to sustain for 82 games. And I think you saw it on this, um, what is it, the rodeo round trip they call it? Went one and seven. yeah. yeah. I just, yeah, it's hard for me to imagine the Spurs hanging on. And then, you know, I alluded to this earlier, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. The Lakers, outside of Brandon Ingram, who's been really good the last 10 to 12 games, like, A, they they really miss Lonzo Ball's defense. 
And that team looks like they've kind of just rolled over. Like, they do not like each other. To be completely honest with you, I think LeBron destroyed that team. Yeah. And I like I, I, I said this on yesterday's podcast. I've lost a lot of respect for LeBron this year because I understand he's the best player on the planet. And I understand uh, the pedigree that he has. And then I understand that the NBA is a star-powered league. So when you get a guy like LeBron, you're going to build your team and you're going to build your franchise almost around him. He signed a multi-year deal so the Lakers know that they're committed to him for a long period of time. But at what point do we start considering LeBron James a coach killer? At what point do we start considering LeBron James a chemistry killer? And on top of all that, the things that he's saying and the passive aggressiveness that he's shown with the media and with his teammates, but the effort that he's putting out, defensively, he's been awful this season. Yeah. And, and people have started to call him out for it in the Grizzlies game. I mean, he was 20 feet away from his man who was standing wide open on the three-point line, and then he turned to the bench to complain. And this is playoff-activated LeBron that's doing this, apparently. So, my... Uh, I've lost a ton of respect for LeBron this year. I think he's absolutely killed the team. That team had a lot of of talent to bring alongside him. I looked at LeBron to come in and to be a mentor for Ingram, a mentor for Ball, a mentor for those young guys. And I'm and I'm speaking from an outside perspective. I don't know how much he's been in their ear or how much he's helped them, but from the outside in, it looks like he's absolutely destroyed their confidence, made them think that like they don't belong, that they're not going to be there very long, and and he doesn't want them there. And I think LeBron, the Lakers with their roster should be at least a sixth seed. Oh, yeah. But they're not going to make it. No, again, and that's what I mean. I think that team has just rolled over. I don't think they want to play. Again, and you and you bring him the good point about, especially in that Memphis game, if you're a young guy, if you're Kyle Kuzma, and you're watching LeBron, who's saying all these things in the media, where there's this narrative out there that, hey, LeBron wanted to trade you, and you see him make that effort. What what does that send you as a second-year guy? What signal are you getting? Well, and not just Kyle Kuzma, but also Luke Walton, head mm-hmm. coach, considered one of the most promising young head coaches. The, the Lakers brought him in, and everybody was excited. Luke Walton coming off of learning from Steve Kerr and that Warriors pedigree. He's going to be great for this young Lakers team going forward. He fits the mold. Oh, we get LeBron James. LeBron doesn't like Luke Walton. Now Luke Walton's got to go. I, you think Luke, Wal- Luke Walton's gone at the end of the season? I think so. No I mean, chance? I, I, think the li- I think the writing's on the wall. LeBron's going to get what he wants, and he's going to bring in another guy. He did it in Cleveland. He's going to do it again here. He, I don't know if he tried to do it or not with Eric Spolstra. Thank God that he chose Eric Spolstra over him in the, in the long run. If anything happened, I'm not insinuating anything. I don't know anything. But really, LeBron is, is a coach killer at this point to me. It is absolutely amazing. LeBron's first season in the Western Conference, there's a high probability He's not going to make the playoffs. That's why you probably should have stayed in the East there, LDJ. I'm just saying. That is Jay Marshall, KHDK's Jay Marshall. You can hear him on Sports 1140 KHDK's morning show, The Drive, weekdays, Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Jay, how can they find you on social media and where can they follow you? Uh, Instagram or Twitter at Mars, J-A-Y. M as in Mary, A-R-Z-Z. And we'll definitely have to get you back on the podcast in the near future. Thank you so much for taking the time, my man. Man, I've had fun. Thank you for having me, finally. Was an absolute pleasure having Jay on. Again, you can check him out on the drive. Check out all of his great work on Sports 1140 KHDK, and we'll definitely have him back on in the near future. Ran out of time, so uh, we're going to have to call it there. I will let you know, though, you can reach out to me at MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter or MGeorgeAtSackLocalMedia.com if you want to be part of our fans-only podcast. It is coming up 
in uh, in just a couple of weeks in early March. So definitely reach out and let me know about that. Also, I've been getting a lot of emails recently with questions about the Kings or comments about the podcast. Keep them coming. And if you have the opportunity to head over to the iTunes store and leave us a review there on this Locked on Kings podcast, that is mainly where people go to check out the podcast and see reviews and see if people like it or not. If you can take the time to do that, if you haven't already, that helps us out a lot. And you can say anything. You can be nice. You can be mean. Uh, you can be constructive. It doesn't matter. As long as you're given some kind of feedback, it always helps us out here on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're going to the game tonight, would love to see you, although I might not shake your hand just in case. Don't want you to catch the uh, the cold that I'm battling with right now. And we will be back on tomorrow's podcast uh, to break down, hopefully, a Kings win against the Bucks. Although, I'm, I'm sorry, normally optimistic Matt, when he gets sick, maybe he turns a little bit pessimistic. I don't see a way the Kings win this game here tonight, but if they're competitive and they have a chance to win, if they do win this game in a race, is all the disappointment and frustration from uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves loss on Monday. Until then, my name is Matt George. Thank you so much for listening to today's Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.